0: and I were super blessed this Thanksgiving to have our Long Island family with us. Is the Long Island family in the house? I don't know. Yeah, over here in the corner. Uh, So they traveled all the way from Long Island to be with us, and uh, it was a super special time of just gathering around the table, enjoying some delicious food and uh, fellowship with each other. Well, today we're concluding our Lifelines series, and what a series this has been. Uh, Every message I feel like every week has lined up perfectly with where uh, I, I feel like our church and as believers need to, uh, to be established in, right? Prayer, fasting, and worship. And sometimes these ideas can be daunting. The idea of community today can seem kind of foreign maybe for some of us that don't know exactly what that looks like. And so my prayer today is that we would leave here with these four different rhythms in our life and that we could establish in our life, a solid foundation that then would establish a solid foundation in our church, in our community, in our family. And so I want to I read to you again this passage, Acts 13, 1 through 3. It's this short little passage, but it's profound because there's five people doing four different rhythms to hear one voice. Five people doing four things to hear one voice. I'm going to read first from the NIV. It says this, now in the church of Antioch, there were prophets and teachers, Barma, Barnabas, Simeon called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mahan, who had been brought up by uh, Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work in which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and they sent them off. Now, I love the way the NIV or the NLT or whatever translation you read uh, describes uh, this this setting, but I I really appreciate the way the message paraphrase uh, describes this. So I want to read from the message real quick. It says this, the congregation in Antioch was blessed with a number of prophet, preachers, and teachers. Barnabas, Uh, Simeon, named Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Mahan, an advisor of the ruler Herod, Saul. It says, one day as they were worshiping God, they were also fasting as they waited for guidance from the Holy Spirit. I like this because fasting is not just giving up something, right? Praying and fasting is not just uh, giving up something. It's, It's also a time of waiting to hear the voice of God. And so this this group of guys were waiting to hear the voice of God to speak. And then it says this, the Holy Spirit spoke, take Barnabas and Saul and commission them for the work I have called them to do. So they commissioned them, and watch this, this is the best part, in that circle of intensity and obedience of fasting and praying, they laid hands and sent them off. In that intense circle of obedience, I love that. Do you know that following Jesus begins first with obeying the word of the Lord? that obedience is what we're called to do as believers in Jesus. And, and I really think that these guys, they were, they were with sincere hearts gathered together, worshiping the Lord, praying and fasting together. And through that intensity, through that fire, through that the Lord speaking, they were able to then lay hands on Paul and Barnabas and to send them off on their journey together. And so what does a circle of intensity and obedience look like? It's five people doing four things to hear one voice. I want to keep, keep that in the back of your minds as we go through this message today. It's five people doing four things to hear one voice. If you're taking notes, write this down. Today, the, kind of I- the overarching idea of the message is called out companions called out companions. What does it look like in our life to have called out companions, people that can run the race of life with us, who can surround us and to be with us? Have you ever been to a college football game before? Let me see a show of hands. College football game. There's something special about a college football game versus a pro game. I don't know what it is. There's an intensity, a level. Maybe it's because the players aren't being paid. I, I don't know, but there's just this like this really profound intensity. Well, in Florida, there is only one team and that's the Florida Gators, I'm convinced. Uh, I bleed orange and blue. I love my Florida Gators, I'm a ride or die. Doesn't matter the weather, we're always gonna celebrate them. Last night they got beat by FSU, the other Florida team that we won't talk about. It's okay. And I want to show you this picture. Becca and I, uh, Becca grew up a, uh, a South Florida Bulls fan because her brother played uh, for, their, for their team. And uh, when we got together, I said, babe, listen, uh, we are not going to be a house divided. There is only one team in our house, and that is the Florida Gators. Uh, so you all have to be rebaptized and, uh, and, and into the fold here. So I took her to her first Gator game, and she was blown away. First off, the Gators, their stadium is wild, has 92,000 seats, and it is extremely loud. It's Florida, so it's very hot and humid, and so the intensity of the environment is next level. I mean, fans just going crazy, right? When, When the opposing team is on the field, every fan, I mean, screams until you can't scream anymore to try to get the quarterback distracted. There's just something special in that environment, this intensity uh, of that college football. But how many know when you leave that stadium, those same fans that you are high-fiving, you were hollering with, aren't necessarily going to be with you to holler in the trials that you face in your life? Right? How many know that uh, the, the world tries its best to provide a, a surface-level community environment, but at the core of it, it's missing Jesus. It's missing the, the, the element that makes community special, That the, the glue, we could call it, that holds it together. Even in, in that kind of realm where people are happy and they're high-fiving, it's still not the community that I think God has called us to be. And what, what's often fascinating to me is that the world can look, uh, can look I want to use that specifically, can look better at community than the church. And I say that because I've been in environments where, uh, where the world oftentimes is more welcoming, they're more accepting, they're more loving, they're more gracious than the church itself. And I know that's probably hard and difficult for some of us to hear, but it's the truth and it's the reality that Jesus, I believe, is beckoning his church. He's calling his church to say, listen, it's time that we authentically display what it means to follow Jesus. And so that leads me to my one and only point, if you're taking notes, it's this. Jesus is beckoning the church to authentically display healthy community to the world. I believe it. I believe that right now in this season that we are in as a society, Jesus is saying it's time that the church authentically display what healthy community looks like. Just what we read earlier, five people doing four things to hear one voice, that they were surrounded with each other to hear the voice of God, to see the direction of the Lord. Maybe for your life, there is some people that need to be by you and with you Maybe there's a trial that you're facing. Maybe there's a hardship that you're going through and you think that you can just solo it. Listen, you need people in your life to speak the voice of the Lord to you. You need people to lay hands on you just as they did with Paul and Barnabas to pray over you, to, to prophesy God's truth over you, to, to fill your life with hope. Surgeon General uh, earlier, as Pastor Joel said, recently put out uh, uh, like a national alert saying that the loneliness epidemic is at an all-time high. In fact, it's, it's at a crisis level, and so him and his administration laid out a six-pillar format, and I'm going to read these to you because they're fascinating. The first pillar is to strengthen social infrastructure, to enact pro-connection public policies, to mobilize the health sector. How many know that our health sector is really, really not so great at mental health? That there's a crisis on our hands. There's so many people who are depressed and lonely, and our 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 health uh, society isn't the best at giving mental health. To mobilize the health sector to be better in this regards, to reform digital environments, man, I think that needs to happen. I think so many people have this artificial, uh, their, this artificial voice in their life from being in Facebook groups and Instagram groups, and they don't know what authentic community actually looks like with people in the room. We need reform in that regard to deepen our knowledge. My God, we need to deepen our knowledge. There's things in our, in our life, in our world, that we just need to be better in touch with. And then finally, this one was interesting to me. He says, to cultivate a culture of connection— Cultivate a culture of connection. My prayer is that the church would be on the forefront of that. That we would cultivate such a culture of connection that the world would look into the church and say, man, they're doing something special because people who come in there aren't depressed anymore. People who come into the church aren't lonely anymore. They are, they are authentically displaying what community looks like. Jesus is beckoning the church to authentically display healthy community to the world. And so how do we do this? What does it look like to have authentic community? Number one is we embrace diversity as a strength. I think it's really cool that in a church like ours, I, I could go around this room and every person is gifted in a unique and special way. And God's called you for such a time as this with a purpose, with a plan on your life. And, and so not all of us have the same gifting. Not all of us are called to be preachers. Not all of us are called to be teachers. Not all of us, right? You don't want me up here sitting in worship. Trust me, right? That is not my gifting. That's not my role, right? But I know my role. And, and what's special in the room like this, in a community like ours, is there's people that are gifted in every way. In fact, Acts tells us in in 13.1, it says, the congregation in Antioch was blessed with a number of prophet, preachers, and teachers. That's amazing. They were blessed with a community of people who just, they, they knew their role, they knew their assignment, and so they gathered together. Gerald Sitzer says it like this, only Jesus Christ can and will make the church what God intends it to be, a community of belonging, a loving home, a foretaste of heaven. My prayer is that when people step through these doors on a Sunday, on a Wednesday, anytime we gather, that they would get a foretaste of heaven. They would sense, man, something is different there. I don't know what it is. They really love me well there. They really take care of me. They really provide a nurturing environment. When I was a youth pastor in Florida, uh, I had a really special youth leader. and In fact, he became a mentor. Uh, His name was Edwin Ortiz, and Edwin had a unique history. He played Major League Soccer for Puerto Rico. Uh, He was an undercover agent for Puerto Rico. I mean, he just had this wild life, and he loved Jesus. And the other thing besides Jesus he loved, he loved his family, but he really, really loved student ministry. And so Edwin was in his late 60s when he joined our team, and uh, I remember the first time he came in, he just had this way of connecting with people. And Edwin would always carry around this, this, uh, this globe that has a golf ball in it. And the goal of this is to try to get the golf ball on the tee And trust me, it is really difficult. I think I've done it maybe once uh, in all these years. But he would get a group of of students together, and he would challenge them. and, And usually the one that could get it on, he would buy them something or do something fun. But he would challenge them. And then what he would tell the person who got it is he would tell them, hey, why don't you tell the other people, how did you do it? How did you get the golf ball On the And so there's just this this, uh, camaraderie of people coming together and saying, you know what? We're gonna gather around this central idea and we're gonna see if we can make it happen. He just had this ability to connect people from every background. Doesn't matter who they were, doesn't matter what they believed. He just connected them. On mission trips, when Edwin would would take teams over to to different countries, he would oftentimes bring this this thing. So this is like a world-traveled thing. I'm so grateful I had it. Um, He has since passed and and is with the Lord now, but I remember visiting him in the hospital a week before he passed, and he said, Josh, I want you to have this. And I've carried it with me ever since, and I've tried my best to to live the story on because I just think there's something special about someone who can connect people together. The Church of Antioch had people that could bring people together. They had this, this ability to come together, right? Five people doing four things to hear one voice, And they were able to connect this diversity, these preachers, prophets, and teachers. In our midst here, there is a community of diversity. Again, there's different gifts in this room. There's different callings in this room. There's different purposes in this room. My question for us is, what if we brought those together to build a strong community where Jesus was the center focus? And we said, you know what? We're just going to camp around Jesus. We're just gonna camp around his presence. We're, gonna, we're, we're just gonna be with him and we're gonna wait until he speaks to send us out. Because again, there's people outside of these walls in the one mile radius and beyond who have no idea who, what Jesus is. They don't know the hope of glory. They don't know that there's a savior who gave it all. But maybe, just maybe in an intense circle of obedience, in a community where we're saying, you know what, we're just gonna love each other well. doesn't matter if we messed up, if we made a mistake. I love that. Uh, Back to to Edwin. Edwin had this ability, even if you messed up, you made a mistake, he would always love you. He would always accept you. He often told me, he said, Josh, um, the world isn't gonna care so much about what you speak. They're gonna care about how salty your life is. Meaning that the fragrance of heaven Needs to be so potent on your life that people can taste and see that the Lord is good. Number two, if you're taking notes, is we hold fast to God's lifelines, right? These are these lifelines Pastor Joel has set up for us it's prayer, it's fasting, it's worship, it's community right we hold fast to these things we we hold on to these lifelines because we know that through them god speaks and and he is in the room with us acts 13:2 it says one day as they were worshiping god they were also fasting as they waited for guidance and then the holy spirit spoke i love that that they were praying, they were fasting, they were worshiping, they were in accord with each other. What would happen if besides Sunday mornings we got together in our homes and we worshiped Jesus and we fasted together and we prayed and we said, you know what, there's a sick person among us. We're going to gather together and we're going to pray and we're going to get this circle of intense obedience until God moves. What what would happen in our life if we held fast to these lifelines I'm gonna bring up some volunteers, Callie, Wade, and Ethan. Would you guys come up? They're gonna help me illustrate this for us this morning. Can we give them a hand as they come? <laughs> Yeah, so Callie, why don't you stand right here? Wade, why don't you go to the the edge there? And Ethan, you're good right there. So Pastor Joel helped us illustrate this last week with our mission statement, which is enjoying God, loving each other, and blessing our neighbors. And what I love as a pastoral team, we've developed these, uh, we'll just call them hand motions for lack of a better term, but it helps illustrate uh, what, what this really is. And so if we have that slide, can we throw that slide up there of the mission? Yeah. So we, we wanted to kind of paint the picture for you of what this looks like. And so enjoying God is reaching up. So my volunteers, can we do that? Can we show the congregation what reaching up looks like? We just reach up, right? This is what it means to be connected to the, to the vine. I once heard Francis Chan preach a message and the entire message, he had his hands in the air for like 50 minutes. I'm like, man, he has some body strength. And he said this was his way to illustrate that he's connected to God. And I love it. It's, it's kind of this, uh, it sounds maybe crazy, but man, when we reach up and we're connecting with, with God, that we're enjoying his fellowship, we're enjoying being with him through prayer, through worship, through that obedience. The next one is loving each other, and that's reaching in, right? So we could just hold it like this or however you want to do it. Reaching in is developing community. Community right? It's, it's gathering people and loving them, no matter if they've messed up or if they, if they will mess up, that we gather around them, that we're reaching in and we're saying, you know what? We're going to partner with you to discover hope. We're going to partner with you to realize your, your God-given potential, that God loves you and has a purpose for your life. And then finally, blessing our neighbors. And this is one of my favorites, It's reaching out. I love when the church doesn't just eat on Sundays and gorge itself and, and do nothing with it, but instead goes out and be the church in the community. I love when the church is in the community preaching the gospel. I, you know, it's cool to hear stories of people doing stuff all throughout our community and, and just hearing what Jesus is doing. They're reaching out and saying, you know what? God's blessed us so much, we're going to reach out with it. We're going to bless our neighbors. We're going to we're gonna continue to see the kingdom brought in Mount Joy and beyond because that's what the gospel is. Can we give it up for our volunteers one more time? Thank you, guys. We enjoy God. That's that prayer, that's that worship, that's that fasting. We, bl- we love each other. We're in community. That happens in next step groups. That happens in small groups outside of here, right? That's that reaching in part and then finally we reach out. What would our church look like if every person sitting in here today and even online said, you know what, my life needs to be a life that reaches up, reaches in, and reaches out. It's time that I no longer just feed on the thing that the church gives me, but instead I want to give it to people. I want to bless people. Lastly, number three, is we follow Jesus with intense obedience. Intense obedience, what does that mean? When I, when I hear the word intense, um, it conjures up images of just this, uh, this ferocious mindset of saying, you know what, I have ground to take. There's an intensity on it. The hour is near, right? There's this... There's this uh, this passion looming inside of me saying, you know what, man, I just want to follow him. I just want to know him more. I don't, I don't know about you, but there's this ache in my heart. I was telling our youth leadership team that there's just been this ache in my heart just to seek his face more, just to know him more, just to be in his presence more. Because I realized that if I'm not in that place, and if we're not in that place, then we're just really going through motions of religion. And following Jesus in intense obedience means sometimes I have to lay down preferences. Sometimes I have to lay down my own opinions to follow his will, to follow his word. Acts 13, three, it says, so they commissioned them in that circle of intensity and obedience, of fasting and praying, they laid hands on their heads and they sent them off. This circle, I just want you guys just to visualize this with me. The, the church, as they were gathered in this moment waiting for God to speak, they're with each other. This, is this healthy community of encouragement, of saying, hey, we're gonna wait. We're gonna fast with you. We're gonna pray together. Five people doing four things to hear one voice. We're gonna, we're gonna be Together, to hear that one voice. And when they heard that one voice, the Bible says that they laid hands on their heads, they blessed them, and they sent them off. What would it look like if we did that? If we said, you know what, there's some people in here who are gifted to reach the lost. There's some people in here who, man, they they might be gifted to be a teacher, preacher. They but they would never know it if they didn't get in that circle of intense obedience of following Jesus and that healthy community. They would never know it. So what happened? William Seymour, who uh, was a catalyst for the Azusa Street revival that happened in California, one of the great revival movements that happened through our land, he was oftentimes, when he would go into the meeting house to to kind of be with the Lord before the service that night, uh, the, the, the historians that wrote about his life would often say that he would go in and he would put a box over his head to clear out the world so that he could just be with Jesus. Now I'm not saying all of us in this room need to go put our heads in boxes this week. What I am saying is that maybe there's some clutter in our life that we need to clear out so that we could sit with him, that we could hear his voice clearly to say, yeah, you know what? I should call that person. I should say, maybe, maybe I should invite them over for coffee. And, and maybe that coffee appointment turns into a small group that we meet together once a week to pray for our friends who don't know Jesus. Maybe it turns into, man, I, I don't know, maybe there's some married couples who are going through a season that's tough, but we could gather around them and, and we could fast and we could pray and we could be with them. We could encourage them. We could lay hands on them to bless them and to speak life into them. When I came back to the Lord at 18, I realized that there was a lot of things that I had to give up. There was a, there was a, a lot of junk I had cluttered in my life and wounds that I had occurred over my, uh, my orphan state. And when I came back to the Lord, I realized that just like the church here in Antioch, I wanted to follow Jesus with intense obedience. I didn't know what it looked like. I was young. I was wild. And so one of the things I would do every single day, and my mom and dad thought I was a little crazy, but I did it, uh, is I would go in my closet, I cleared out my closet, and I would close the closet door, and I would sit in darkness in worship and just be with Jesus. And I would come out of that prayer closet fired up and filled up and ready to share the good news of Jesus and, ra- and, and to gather people around me to say, hey, let's go share Jesus down the road. Let's go share Jesus to some people at at the mall. Let's go share Jesus with some of our friends. What would it look like, man, if we just said, you know what? It's time. The hour is near. It's time that we say, it's time to follow Jesus with intense obedience. It's time to say, you know what? We got to set aside some things. We need to learn what it means to pray. We need to learn what it means to fast. We, we really need to learn what it means to live a lifestyle of worship so that we can authentically display healthy community. If you're having trouble with those things, trust me, all of us do. There's great resources out there. There's a, there's a website called Practicing the Way by John Mark Comer. It is fantastic teaches you how to pray, how to fast, how, what a lifestyle of worship looks like, all these different things. If you need help with that, find some people and say, listen, my prayer life could be amplified. I would love some people to join around me to pray. Pastor Rick Warren says it best in his Pur- Purpose Driven Life book. He says, being included in God's family is the highest honor and the greatest privilege we'll ever receive. When we're gathered together in this place. We're not just gathered religious motion. We're gathered together in community to help each other, to push each other, to move forward. James 3, 18. I love this. It says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other. Isn't that the hard work sometimes? of getting along with each other. Isn't isn't this, this idea of community sounds nice, but sometimes life happens and sometimes there's disagreements. And, but at the end of the day, God calls us to be with each other, to get along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. So I just wanted to lay out some next steps that we could take as we think about authentically displaying healthy community. These are just some ideas that maybe could help you in this journey. number one, get plugged into a next steps group. If you're not, if you just, you know, maybe you come to service and you bug out and that's cool, but maybe, maybe you stay. Maybe you find some believers that are doing a Bible study that really sounds great and you go to that next steps group and you realize, wow, this is a group of people I could gel with and I could get along with. Get plugged in, man. Find a small group. Those are coming in the future. I know Pastor Jeremy is working hard behind the scenes and kind of uh, re-envisioning what that looks like, but maybe right now it's just gathering four or five people in your home. Maybe you have a great home. As Pastor Joel said, the home that we were at earlier this week, I won't name the couple, but their house was beautiful, such a great spot to meet. Maybe you have a home that you could gather people, or maybe it's at a coffee shop, Idea Coffee, Copper Cup, Starbucks. Maybe it's someplace you could gather with people and just talk about Jesus. And lastly is maybe find a companion or companions to encourage you and draw close to Jesus. Maybe, maybe there's just some people that would love to do that. There's some, some people that would say, you know what, I'll sacrifice two hours of my week to sit with you and to encourage you and to be with you. What would it look like if every person that came through those doors who was lonely, who was searching for hope, they found an authentic community of believers who love Jesus? What would change in Mount Joy and beyond? I know that the Surgeon General's warning to us would probably go down because something would be exploding in our community. They would see, wow, the church is being Jesus. So can we do this? Can we, uh, can we stand to our feet? We're gonna close in a time of prayer. And this is something that we do oftentimes at youth and it's just kind of a healthy reminder. We call it the family prayer. And it's simply this. Would you grab the hand of the person around you to your right and left And would you try to bridge the aisles the best you can if you're able to stand? In college, we would do this and uh, it was always funny some college students not wanting to hold each other's hands, but it's a great reminder just that there's people on your right and left who love you, who are with you, and that in your darkest time of need, these are people that you can trust in to pray with you. And so as I pray, would you pray for that person on your right and left? Father, we're grateful. We're grateful that we can reach up to you. Jesus, we're we're so grateful that you paid the price that none of us could pay. And that we can now have the ability to reach up and connect with you you so desperately just want people to sit at your feet and to be with you? And so would we be those people this week that just sit at your feet and are reaching up to a heavenly Father who loves them? Lord, would we reach in to each other this week and, and find the needs in our own community here? Maybe there's some people who are going through a hardship or a trial, and they just need some companions to say, we're going to circle up in an intense obedience and we're going to say, you know what? We're not going to move until we hear God's voice. Lord, would we be a people, would we be a church that sees the brokenness in this community and says, we're going to reach out with everything we have, all of our finances, all of our gifting, all of our time. We're not going to stop until we see the kingdom of God come in Mount Joy as it is in heaven. Lord, that is our heart. That is our prayer. Because otherwise, this is just a religious activity, Lord, and it's not a connection. But we know you desire to plant connection in this place. You desire to cultivate connection in this house. And so, Lord, would we be a people that loves you, that loves each other, and reaches out? We love you so much. In Jesus' name everyone set.